and welcome to Myth Matters, storytelling and conversation about mythology and what myth can offer us today. I'm your host and personal mythologist, Dr. Katherine Svela. Wherever you may be in this wide, beautiful, crazy world of ours, you are part of this story circle. So I've got a question for you. (laughs) How did all of this, what we call reality, the universe, the earth, life, begin? What do you think? This question is a primary motivation for our myth-making. And despite all of the tools and technologies, the origins of the cosmos, of life, and human beings are still a mystery, one that we can't pierce completely. There is an instant, a breath, that precedes every explanation or story that we've told about creation, for which we cannot account. The original creation, the source, is mythic. Today I'm going to share a brief survey of some creation myths to consider how people have dealt with this mystery and how the myths influence life. The myths to which we subscribe, whether or not we accept them to be myths, offer the theory or answer to the question of beginnings that feels the best, the most correct to us. These myths also have important implications for the way that we live. They shape our view of human nature, for example, and beliefs about the best way to live, about society, the sacred, the concept of time, and beliefs about death and afterlife. Our notions of the beginning are bound up in our beliefs about the end, the end of the cosmos, planet Earth, your life. Now, in earlier times, people were united in a shared belief, a shared myth, not united around the world, but united in their communities, and this is not the case today. (laughs) The lack of collective agreement is a source of serious conflict, and it's an opportunity. Now is the time to recognize our ability to consciously engage with myth and to embrace the freedom and responsibility of our choices because they matter. Your inherited myths influence how you live and what you value, even if you spend little time consciously thinking about it. All peoples have or had a creation myth a story of their origins, and all of us as individuals subscribe to one, whether or not you call it a myth, a religion, or a theory. There's a lot of variety, and there are also some common elements. So let me start with a few of those. For example, in that time before time that we cannot plumb was formlessness and darkness, that gave way to heavens or the sky and earth, water, air, dirt, light, the shaping of land, and the emergence of life, plants, insects, birds and animals, humans. The accuracy in this poetry 
is remarkable, (laughs) don't you think? How long people have passed along this knowing, the traces of which can be measured today through scientific means. Creation myths also consider the catalyst for the initial creation or emergence. What put this in motion? The forces or powers, often called gods. And they answer the question of intent. Why? What were these gods, or the cosmic mind, so to speak, up to? What was the motivation? The answers have a direct bearing on the questions of human purpose and an ordained way of living, the proper social organization, and perhaps a moral code. The reason that we were created has a lot to do with how we are supposed to be living. Human beings in creation myths often have a special relationship to the creator and or a specific role to play. The myths often describe a series of worlds and of different types of humans, a process of experimentation, failure, and refinement, or of birth, maturation, and decay. The first worlds, the ones before this one, ended due to earthquakes, ice ages, floods, imagined usually to be uh, an expression of the immortals' frustration or neglect. Um, And, you know, as the geological record reveals, (laughs) these events happened. Now, the oldest written mythology that we have today is the Sumerian, which was the earliest known civilization in Mesopotamia, located in what is now southern Iraq. Much of what we have is fragmentary, and in the manner of myths, especially myths about a pantheon of deities, the stories are numerous, overlapping, and contradictory. (laughs) According to the Sumerian worldview, the gods always existed. In the distant past, heaven, the god On, separated from earth, the goddess Ninhursag, and what was in between. The in between was, is air, the god Onli. In the earliest myths, On, or heaven, is the supreme god in the pantheon, but over time, Onli took this place as he created, through his thought and word, the plants and everything else humans needed on earth. Ninhursag, called the lady who gave birth, and she was connected with the earth, probably created human beings. Somehow, by someone, we were fashioned out of clay, and our sole purpose was to serve the gods so they would have plenty of leisure time and the willingness (laughs) to continue refining and adding to the world. Humans were completely dependent upon the earth and the gods who controlled an individual's destiny. Now, although Anli became the central god, the actual patron 
of human beings was Anki, the god of wisdom. He created the social and political order called the May and was the administrator of the cosmos as well. If you're familiar with the myths of the goddess Inanna, you may recall that she received many of her powers and forms of authority, that is, May, as gifts from Anki when they drank beer together and he got too drunk. (laughs) This was in the early days of the first cities, Sumerian civilization, the emergence of more complex societies from what had been kinship groups and bands of people. The gods were the source of the moral and ethical codes necessary for larger groups. The gods valued behaviors that we recognize as good today, like telling the truth and caring for the poor, and yet they were also the creators of lying and stealing and all forms of evil. They planned a violence and oppression into the world. People were caught up in it to varying degrees, as they were with every aspect of creation, and the gods valued our moral efforts, and also, they didn't blame us. Now, why did they introduce evil? (laughs) Well, who knows the will of the gods? The Sumerian world was a world of great uncertainty. There was the beginning of agriculture and domestication of animals, the storing of food, building of walls, the rise of a priestly class, all kinds of things to create uh, stability and order. And in the background, always lurking the question, would the gods bring it all to an end? Because, well, they did once. Long ago, when people began to get too numerous and too loud and disrupted the peace of the gods, Anli allowed a great flood. He regretted it later. But of course, it was too late for all of those earlier people. (laughs) Floods show up in many creation myths. And many scholars of the ancient Middle East agree that the Sumerian flood is the source for the later flood story of Noah and the Ark. Which brings me to the monotheism that emerged in the Middle East, the tradition of Abraham, which is first Judaism, then Christianity, and then Islam. Each building on the worldview and the teachings of the ancestral religion, developing refinements imagined as improvements. This tradition contains the creation myth of Genesis, creation through thought and spoken words by the male father God over the course of six days, culminating in a seventh day of rest. The separation of heaven and earth, darkness and light, land and water, and the creation of all life, from plants to animals to humans. God, the one God, was lonely and created the human for companionship. He intended to keep the distinctions between God and human or God and man, depending on which version of Genesis you read. 
he wanted to keep those distinctions clear. So he said, don't eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge or the tree of eternal life. Eating an apple from the tree of knowledge, also called the tree of good and evil, was our first sin and put humans in association with the source of all evil, best known as the devil. What to do about this rift in the relationship between the humans and their God is the central problem in this tradition. And it has given rise to a super powerful concept, and that is the concept of time as linear. Linear, meaning that there is a beginning, the moment that we came into existence with God, and that time passing through events and days will end in a predetermined way, at a predetermined time, because God is going to end it all. Time is moving in a specific direction to an end. And God has given us some clues about end-of-days events, what some Christians call the rapture. This notion of linear time and the fate of the earth in time, that we are moving through time to an end that will be the destruction of everything here on this plane, is foundational in the consciousness of many of us. Progress, novelty, the future, and inevitability are all bound up together in this notion of linear time. So, too, the notion of salvation, as the believers in the right God will be saved, and the purpose and relative value of the earth, which is our temporary home. Another mythology that has had a huge influence on European-derived cultures in particular is that of the ancient Greeks. Again, there is the formless darkness, then heaven and earth, and eros, the force of attraction, also called desire. There is an early race of gods, the Titans, who were overthrown by the more refined pantheon called the Olympians. The gods are born from heaven and earth, and gods give birth to gods. So here we have a hierarchy of forces or elements and concepts, all of them created. And yet the fates, those who determine the beginning, length, and end of a mortal life, they lie beyond the power of the gods. These three primordial females, sisters, act independently by their own inscrutable logic. At some point in these cosmic events, humans are created out of clay by the titan Prometheus. Some say he made men, yes, men, men only, out of a desire to see what he could do. He was an ingenious god. Some say that he wanted company in a cosmos in which most of his kind had been 
defeated and locked up in the underworld by Zeus. Some say that he wanted to provoke Zeus and keep things interesting. (laughs) This is, in the view of many commentators, past and present, why Prometheus stole fire from the gods and gave it to us. To give us an edge, a tool, in a world ruled by capricious gods who would otherwise just be uh, arguing among themselves for eternity. In Greek mythology, the heroes strive and people endeavor to thrive despite the gods. They honor the immortals and they also make allegiances and strategize. You are at the mercy of the gods and yet they cannot end your life before your fated time. And although the Olympian god Hades and his divine queen Persephone rule the underworld, this place is off-limits to the other gods. Living mortals don't want to go to the underworld, obviously, but some do. They're sent there. And so there's, there's this realization that the nature of death and its significance can be explored And the Greeks created powerful rituals to find their own way into this mystery. Here is the birth of tragedy and the early roots of humanism, the declaration that fueled the Renaissance and the European Enlightenment. Man is the measure of all things. The creation myths of West African Yoruba culture also begin with the pantheon of gods or or riches. Here we have a universe of sky and water. Some say that several of the Orishas collaborated to make the first human. Obatala, the kindly father who makes many embodied living beings, molds the forms. Ogun, god of war, iron, and the road, who links the worlds of the unborn, living, and the dead, fashions the skeletons. Olorun, creator of the sun and administrator of the cosmos, who is neither male nor female, breathes in life. And then Ajala, who is more sort of a spirit or a concept, not a deity. The word means destined to fight and survive. Molded the inner head. That is your personal power, your mind, energy, destiny. Others say that Obatala made human beings, and he did this after he came down from the sky to further develop the earth. (laughs) The earth was only water and maybe some wild marshland, and Obatala thought that more could be done with it, that there could be mountains and valleys, for example, and Olorun gave him permission. Oramila, the god of prophecy, tells Obatala that he will need a gold chain to reach from the sky to the waters below. Obatala went to each of the Orisha to collect gold, which he took to the goldsmith to make the chain. 
Then he descended to earth, carrying a snail shell filled with sand, a white hen, (laughs) a black cat, and a palm nut. Obatala climbs down a ways and realizes that the chain is too short. At which point, Ormila calls down and tells Obatala to dump the sand onto the earth and then drop the hen. The hen scratches and spreads the sand, and this becomes the first salted land on earth. Now, Obatala let go of the chain and fell to earth. He planted the palm nut and a palm tree sprouted immediately. He named the place Ifa, and this is where the first humans were made. Obatala had the cat for company, but eventually he got lonely, and he started to make clay figurines shaped like himself. The Orisha have human forms. It was hot. Obatala drank some palm wine while he worked, so some of the figurines were deformed. He realized this later when he sobered up and pledged to take special care of those people. Olaroon breathed life into all of them. Now, no one had consulted Olakun, ruler of the sea, before Abatala came down and made dry land. She wasn't pleased about this and sent a flood that wiped out many of these first humans. <laughs> but the Orisha worked it out until everyone was satisfied after that. And here we are. Which is not to say that Earth was or is a total paradise. Everything comes from the spirit world from the interdependent, invisible realm. And good and evil are both natural forces. In addition to the Orisha, then, there are the Ojigun, known as death, disease, loss, imprisonment, and other big troubles. These are spiritualized forces that create imbalance and bring about the end. They are necessary to the ongoing creation and to understand and appreciate the value of the good. For a creation myth and a mythology of cosmic proportions, we can turn to Hinduism. (laughs) The Hindu pantheon and myths are dynamic, diverse, and complex. There are an abundance of forms and possibilities. Some say that the universe began as a golden egg and that Brahma, a creative principle beyond all concepts and gender, emerged from it. Some say that Brahma was lonely then and divided himself into male and female. Others say that the Prajapati, a Sanskrit word meaning master of procreative powers, was Shiva, or Agni, the god of fire, or someone else. (laughs) In general, creation of the world 
and of humans involves desire, mind, heat, water, and breath. The interaction of male and female, the third arising from this pairing. The interdependent nature of being and non-being. This mythology describes in many different ways a long, long, millions and billions of years long cycle of creation, maturation, and decay that will repeat eternally. And there are multiple universes. Garga Samhita, one of the sages who composed the Rig Veda hymns, writes, You know one universe. Living entities are born in many universes, like mosquitoes in many Undambara fruits. That's a cluster fig fruit. Like mosquitoes. I said it was a cosmic perspective. The Rig Veda is a foundational text of Hinduism and one of the oldest existing texts in any Indo-European language. We're talking 1500 BCE or so. Here you find a commentary that honors the unanswerable questions that surround the beginning. Darkness there was at first, by darkness hidden, without distinctive marks, this all was water, that which, becoming, by the void was covered, that one by force of heat came into being. Who really knows? Who will here proclaim it? Whence was it produced? Whence is this creation? Gods came afterwards with the creation of this universe. Who then knows whence it has arisen? Whether God's will created it or whether he was mute, perhaps it formed itself or perhaps it did not. Only he who is its overseer in highest heaven knows. Only he knows or perhaps he does not know. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a little bit about creation myths in Buddhism and Aboriginal Australia. But first... (laughs) Let's pause so I can say welcome and thanks and to share information about a free webinar on July 8th hosted by the Joseph Campbell Foundation. First, the webinar. On July 8th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, the Joseph Campbell Foundation will host a free live webinar with two of the authors of Goddesses, a Skeleton Key Study Guide, Dr. Joanna Gardner and Dr. Olivia Happel-Block. Goddesses, a Skeleton Key Study Guide, is the first in a series of Skeleton Key Study Guides written by contemporary mythologists and myth experts. I'm honored to know the authors of the Skeleton Key Study Guides and be part of the project, (laughs) Myths to Live By, a Skeleton Key Study Guide, that I wrote will be released later this summer. I'm going to post a link to register for the webinar with the authors of the Goddesses Skeleton Key Study Guide with the transcript of this episode 
or you can head straight over to jcf.org. That's the Joseph Campbell Foundation website to sign up. Thank you to the Patreon patrons and Bandcamp supporters of Myth Matters. I want to give a shout out to long-time supporters, Carmen and Paula. Thank you so much, my friends. If you, listening, are finding value in Myth Matters, and you can support this work in some way, whether that's donating via Patreon, buying me a coffee, posting a positive review, or emailing me to say, hey, I'm listening, (laughs) that would be great. Please feel free to email me about the podcast or to post a comment on the Mythic Mojo website. If you have questions about mythology, I will do my best to answer them. A big welcome to new email subscribers, Aaron, Sundaresh, Ian, and Hannah. Welcome to Myth Matters. If you are new to the podcast, I invite you to head over to the Mythic Mojo website. You will find a transcript of this episode, information about story oracle readings and my consulting services and other offerings. And you can also join the email list if you would like to receive links to new Myth Matters episodes in your inbox. A couple more myths and perspectives on origins. What about Buddhism? Buddhism has its origins in India and is an evolution of Hindu philosophical trains of thought. The philosophies at the time and place of the Buddha postulated creation as a meeting of the permanent, the self or Atman, and the impermanent, which is everything else, (laughs) the material world and also constructs like the ego. In Buddhism, there's no creator God to explain the origin of the universe. There's no God, period. And in many ways, the question is kind of irrelevant. Buddhism is a is concerned with the mind, and it is an awakening of the mind to what is real. The eternal is real. The rest is illusion. The existence of things is explained by the concept of dependent arising. Everything exists together in a state of mutual causality. Present events are caused by past events and become the cause of future events. Life is an endless cycle. Buddhism is the exploration of the mind in this mix. The oldest creation story today. One shared and lived for at least 40,000 years (laughs) is the dream time of the Australian Aboriginals. According to this mythology, everything came into existence when the dreaming began in the mythic world of the ancestor beings. They emerged from the earth at the time of creation, and time began with their emergence. The ancestors, the primal forces and creative powers, made the sun, the moon, the planets. They moved over the earth, they gave it shape, and then they gave it all forms of life. 
And when they did this, they laid down the ways of living and the relationship between all created things as well. Everything was created from the same source. Everything could transform into every other thing. Everything came into being in the dream time, and the dreaming continues in the lives of the people. The spiritual purpose of the people is to continue to the the dream, which is a recognition that everything that was created has a place and is necessary, and that our original shared source is the source of a primordial empathy between all things. This empathy is the core of identity. The human self can only exist in nature, in the web of relations, as one piece of the dreaming. And in this view, what is often called maintenance or preservation is a form of creation, and the only time is now. As you ponder the creation myth that informs your perspective, Consider this question, too. What is our human nature? Is there such a thing as a given, definable, intrinsic human nature? I want to think about this question together in the next episode. And in closing, here's a poem by Sharon Olds that I think frames it a bit. It's titled, First hour. That hour, I was most myself. I had shrugged my mother off slowly. I lay there taking my first breaths as if the air of the room was blowing me like a bubble. All I had to do was go out along the line of my gaze and back, out and back on gravity's silk, the pressure of the air a caress, smelling on myself her creamy blood. The air was softly touching my skin and tongue, entering me and drawing forth the little sighs I did not know as mine. I was not afraid. I lay in the quiet and looked and did the wordless thought, my mind getting its oxygen direct, the rich mix by mouth. I hated no one. I gazed and gazed, and everything was interesting. I was free, not yet in love. I did not belong to anyone. I had drunk no milk yet. No one had my heart. I was not very human. I did not know there was anyone else. I lay like a god for an hour. Then they came for me and took me to my mother. That is First Hour by Sharon Olds. If we have a better understanding of our need for myth and all that our old stories offer, we can live more satisfying lives. We can inhabit a better story and create a more beautiful, just, and sustainable world. And that's it for me, Catherine Savela and Myth Matters. Thank you so much for listening. Take good care of yourself, and until next time, Keep the mystery in your life alive.